you are going to want to get to know Kara. And you are also going to be wanting to buy her book because she just wrote a children's book. And it is so, so good. Hey there, I'm Alyssa Batt, the host of Priorities on Purpose, a podcast for overwhelmed direct sellers who want to grow their income, audience, and influence without sacrificing their mental health and main priorities. Whether you're just starting a new adventure or you're 15 years in and have already climbed the ranks, I want to help you have the life and the business of your dreams. Can you see it? Can you feel it? Or maybe you thought you had it and something changed. Whether you have your entire dream mapped out or have completely given up on all the possibilities, I'm here to remind you that God is bigger than the little box we put him in. This side gig is part of his plan. It's not your sole purpose, but it absolutely has purpose. As a Christian life and business coach, I'm here to help you get out of your head and live with intention so you can enjoy what matters most without the guilt. More time to do what you love, more peace, more impact, more money, and opportunities to give to those you wanna help. I promise to be your hype girl, business bestie, and biggest cheerleader as I share proven and simple strategies that will be sure to help you live a fulfilled life with a strong, sustainable business. Are you ready to stop chasing all the shiny things and get laser focused? Put your earbuds in while you're cooking dinner or folding that laundry and let's get to it, friend. This is one time when multitasking is actually going to be beneficial. Hey, hey, friends, welcome back to another episode of Priorities on Purpose. I'm your girl, Melissa Batt, a Christian life coach, and today we're talking with Kara Pender, who I have known for quite a few years now. We've become friends. We had an amazing time. My favorite vacation ever that I tell everyone about was the Bahamas when we were both in direct sales together. We've hung out quite a few times, but Bahamas was definitely by far the best trip ever. At Atlantis, completely free because we were both in the direct sales space and as a leader, we earned that trip. But that's not what we're talking about today. Today, we're actually talking about overcoming obstacles, doing hard things, and also how Kara got from who she was to now being a published author because (laughs) she just wrote a children's book. I have the book here. It's called The Tooth Fairy's Stars. And I'm just going to say in the beginning, I want you to know that I bought the book, of course, because I wanted to to support Kara. I'm a cheerleader for anyone who's doing big things and writing and publishing a children's book is definitely a big thing. But I then read the children's book and I loved it so much. Like it was so different. Like I thought it was just going to be this like little children's book is like, oh, the tooth fairy. I was scared to lose a tooth. And then you know, the tooth fairy, blah, 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 like the normal story of the tooth fairy. And it wasn't like, it was so good and I loved it. And so without further ado, welcome Kara to the podcast. And she's so cute. For the record, we prayed before we started recording because I really wanted to challenge Kara Kara is someone who's a little bit guarded, not in a bad way, but you know how you meet some people and they'll tell you their whole life story and all the trauma they've been through in the first five minutes of meeting. 
And then there are other people who just listen to that and just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm the one who's sharing all the trauma and Kara's the one that's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's pretty spot on, I would say. <laughs> no, I challenged her. I was like, I'm going to ask you some tough questions and I really want you to be brave, courageous, and bold. And um, she's a little nervous because she's like, oh, crap. I already know you're like, oh, crap. I am. I know. I was like, I should have put on extra deodorant for this. <laughs> it's going to be a very productive conversation. One for Kara, also for those who are listening, because I want to let you in on some of the things that could potentially be holding you back. And so I want to use this conversation, obviously, to talk about her book and that whole process and tell you to go get the book. Go get the book. Kara, you live in Montana. Tell me a little bit about your family. Talk to me a little bit about that. Your husband, kids, what you've done, how you got here. So born and raised in Montana. I'm a fifth generation Montanan. So that's pretty cool just in itself to say like my great grandparents came from Finland and now we're all here and I've moved around a bit, but I just have a soft spot in my heart for the big sky countries. And if you haven't been to Montana, that's the other thing is the sky is huge here. And I don't know why that's a saying, but it is true. Like I've been all over the United States and the sky is just different here. So that also kind of is another reason why we have such a love for the sky and the stars here because you can see them almost every day of the year. I have been married for 15 years and I have two kids. They're eight and 10 now. The story developed about three years ago. I really wrote this story two years ago. So they're moving and changing in their lives, but they still absolutely love it, which is a question I always get is like, are your kids so sick of the tooth fairy? And they are just still so excited. Like I get to go read this book to my kids, kindergarten through fifth grade class all at once. Wednesday. And my son's like, can I read it? Like he's 10. He's a 10 year old boy. And he was like, can I read this? Can I be the one who reads it? You know what I mean? So like, that's pretty cool that they're not like, please stop talking about the tooth fairy. And then as far as that's another question I've been getting a lot is have you always been a writer? Or have you always wanted to write a book? And there's a lot of people who are like, Oh, I would I just always wanted to write a book. And the answer to that is no, I don't think I was ever like, on this search to write this perfect book. But what I did find out for myself is you know how like your parents will be like cleaning out their storage unit or whatever and they give you a box of stuff and they're like, here, this belongs to you now. And you didn't even know it existed. And so I was going through that. And when I was 14, I was writing. And at that point, it was kind of diary entries or like what we were traveling for or where we were going to. But like I started writing then and I've just always been writing since. But it was never writing for necessarily a purpose it was writing because i had this really great idea or i had a thought or just it's i like pen and paper i like to put those thoughts down but the reason that this book came about is because children have lots of questions and i think that was where like you're saying like god puts us in a path and there was this point where i was like i think i need to write this down but it wasn't like i need to write this book it was i want to write this story down so that's where it started I want you to know that you are one of the most driven people that I know. And you have like just this ambitious spirit that you're going to figure out. Like, I'll never forget when you were, I think on the flight, you were reading a John Maxwell book or something. And I like, do you remember that moment? I was like, I almost nerded out. Like, you're reading John Maxwell? Like, (laughs) 
I don't well, know. I had three hours and my kids weren't with me. So yeah, that is the perfect time to read. <laughs> I know. But like, to me, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I mean, I thought that was really, really cool. And it just shows like just the ambition and drive that you have. Like, I feel like if you're reading a John Maxwell book, you obviously recognize that personal development is a thing and you're probably a lifelong learner, I'm assuming, and you're willing to be open to change for the better of your life and your family. You're also, well, you might be scared, but you are willing to pivot. So that's something I would love to kind of just spend a couple minutes on, like some of the pivots you've made and the fear of making those pivots and how you made that decision, even though you may have been afraid. Honestly, this is kind of random, but as you were speaking, I was thinking, I don't know if it's a quote or if a, an elderly gentleman actually said this to me. But at one point, I remember somebody telling me, if you live 75 years doing the same thing, did you really live 75 years? So I feel like every time I've hit a roadblock, and it's like soul crushing, then you have to kind of go, okay, so if I was going to continue doing that over and over again, would I really gained from that? Or would that really have been the life that I wanted? So, I mean, that's like a simple. Would you say that you, your mindset is that you are always willing or I don't want to say always, but sometimes like we, we may hesitate or we may be like, nope, not doing that. But eventually we come around and we're like, fine, whatever. I know this is what's best for me. So would you say that you've always had the mindset of going deeper? Definitely. Because I mean, not to, I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of myself and then it not work out because I don't feel like you should tell everybody all of your biggest plans. But as soon as this book got published and it was actually real, I was like, all right, I'm ready to start the second one. And then I was like, I want to take more classes so that I can start doing chapter books. So it wasn't like, oh, I did it. It was like, okay, now we can move on. And not that I'm not enjoying every step of it or taking this section of life for granted, but I just, I have a lot of living to do. And there's, I think time is limited. So at the same time, though, what I have realized is that those who are like you and like me, we struggle with the celebrating of how far we've come and actually taking a minute to pause and be like, oh, my gosh, this is a thing. Like we literally, I think, blank and it's like, what's next? So I guess to answer your question a little bit more on the side of like, how did I get here or a little bit more about me? I feel like I'm really, really happy where I'm at. And it took a long time. And there was definitely a point where I was like, I'm almost 40. I really thought I'd be farther along than this. But I also have come to the conclusion that I'm really grateful for where I am. And that took a lot because, I mean, I'm not a college graduate. Everything I've done has been through taking classes. I mean, I did hair for a long time and it was just like I did a lot of things that were maybe getting me to this place. But I was never really sure where I was going, I guess. 
that you were willing to continue moving. Yeah. And whatever that step was like, okay, I don't really know where I'm going, but I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to do it. It sounds like you have trusted the process, even if you didn't know the end game or only God knows. So how do you make a decision to decide to say, yes, I'm going to do this? You were a hairdresser. You still do hair. You're not a professional career driven. Okay. So, and then you were, there probably were things in between this, but from there, then I know there was the direct sales space and you were in direct sales and a leader. How long were you in? I was in direct sales for 10 years, but I was a leader for almost five years. Talk me through quitting hair. Obviously, anytime you're doing something like that, like it costs money, right? Like, yeah. And then like, that's what you're known for. So how do you make a decision regardless of other people's opinions? And especially if you have the people in your life that's like, let's play it safe. Like there are some people, do you have those people in your life that's like, I don't know that this, like, they are they do it because they p- want to protect you. Like, my mom always is wanting to, she's like, I just don't understand. Why would you want to add something else to your plate? You're already so stressed out and you have so much going on the way it is. And I'm like, because I just know that this is what I'm supposed to do. And so I do it. But, you know, do you have those kind of people in your life? And how do you make that decision, even if there are people in your ear that are telling you otherwise? Or are they? I mean, yeah, especially at this point in my life, I feel like it never gets easier to make those changes. And then there's definitely days where I'm like, what am I doing? I mean, I, I guess unless you have a career and you stick with that career, I think you're going to feel that. But so I did hair for 13 years. And when I left the place that I was working last, it was really, really hard for me because I had finally gotten to the point where I had my own studio. I wasn't sharing with anybody else. And I had a full clientele. I wasn't just struggling all the time. And so it was really, really tough for me to walk away from that because there was some security. And I loved the fact that I could just close the door to my studio and it was just me and one other person. And they felt like they could be completely free to talk. And I love to listen to people. I love to hear their stories. I love to hear their backgrounds and where they've traveled. So that was really nice where every other salon I worked at, there was other people. So no, people don't open up quite as much. So I really enjoyed that. But at the time, if you're like what you're saying, like you kind of just have to follow God's plan, even if you're like, I'm not really sure about this. We were moving. My husband was like, I want to start a business. I want land. And he's like, I want to move back to your hometown. And for the first three years of our marriage, I was like, I want to move back to our hometown. Well, now it was like seven years later and I'm pretty settled. I have a good place and our house was completely remodeled and I was very happy And then you're like, all right, it's time to move. And so that was hard. So then at that point, I didn't want to start back over. I didn't want to sit at the salon and wait for people to walk in. And I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And at that point, that direct sales company really took off for me. And so I felt like I could walk away from hair, still have something that was mine. I could work from home and be with my kids. And so it was like the best of all worlds. But with everything, I guess time or God just says it's it's time to move on. And so things kind of fizzled and there was changes in the company and it just felt like it was time for me to go. And again, I was like, all right, well, what do I do? And 
this is where I got really vulnerable is because I had big plans. I was in the company as a leader, but I wanted to be much bigger. And so that really took me a long time to be okay with a lot longer than it was almost like I was mourning that position because it was such a big part of my life. So as I was trying to like move forward, I had the opportunity to go to school in Texas and learn how to do countertops, which my husband is a custom cabinet maker. So it was going to go hand in hand. He would do the cabinets. I would make countertops. And in the beginning, it was really great. Everything worked really well, but I hurt my shoulder and then we were trying to hire people. And it turned into this thing where it was just so much stress and so much struggle. And, and it just felt like I just couldn't get anywhere with it. And at that point, this book was on paper, but it wasn't a thing. I just knew that I needed to find something else. So I, and that was a point where I was like, I really didn't want people to be like, oh, I thought you did countertops and now you write books. Like, that's where I was like, really like, didn't want to put myself out there. Like, I didn't tell anybody that I even had this book published until about four weeks ago. So, I mean, I had my like author copy that they send you to make like, like proof everything in my hand and my grandparents were at my parents' house and I was taking it over to show my parents. And my dad was like, you should probably show your grandparents. And I'm like, I'm not ready yet. And he's like, you need to start telling people about this. But I just felt really vulnerable about it. And I just didn't want the judgment of like, oh, what are you on to next? Which I really feel like that countertop thing, I wasn't ready to be done, but I just physically couldn't do it anymore. And then I tried to get like just some part-time jobs and like nothing was working out. And at that point, I was like, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, why is nothing working out? And then that's when this idea for this book just started to really blossom. And even though there were still some very difficult situations, the idea of a book to getting it in hard copy, it just felt different than everything else I had been struggling with this whole time. I love that you say that because I think there are so many people that get stuck right there of worrying about what people think. What would be your best advice for someone who is stuck because they are worrying about what people think, whether they know it or not? Like, So how do you know that you're stuck and making decisions based on other people? Oh, when you wake up, just... Ugh, about every day you know and just like you you have this thing you want to do but you just feel like you've got to get over this last obstacle it's just a part of you that it's really tough this whole last week i did book signings in town in front of people it was hard for me to be like in the public that much and so i really had to prep myself but I was very surprised at how excited people were and how much love I got. And I'm sure there's like people who aren't excited or whatever, but they didn't show themselves or God didn't put them in front of me because he probably knew I wouldn't be able to handle it. So I guess you just have to keep moving forward. Yeah. I always talk about the hamster wheel survival mode. Like if you wake up and you're asking yourself, is this all that life is like it, just doing the same thing over and over again? I think that's a great like if you're waking up or you're having those thoughts, it's warning bells saying like there's something not in alignment and there's something else, whether it is going to be a complete pivot in quitting something or it's just to be more intentional to pray about it and ask God. 
Like, why do I feel this way? He will answer you because he wants you to spend time with him. He wants you to do the things that he wants you to do. So many people, I hear that a lot. Like, is this all there is? Because it seems like life is meaningless. Or how do you know that you're allowing your decisions to be dictated by other people? I mean, I feel like if you want anything, it's not going to be free, right? If there's anything you want, if there's any sort of goal, it's not going to be free, monetary or just mentally. So I I also think at some point, I mean, granted, I had this published, I had an illustrator and everything, but it wasn't free for me to have this book out into the world. And so, and I'm pretty frugal. So at some point I was like, well, you're invested, so you better go. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> and so you invest in yourself. And if you don't put yourself out there, you'll never know. Yeah, I think that's definitely going to be helpful to someone. There was a time when I almost let my kid quit school because he had answered all the questions correctly. Then it was like, okay, I asked myself, like, why am I hesitating with this decision? And the only thing I could really come up with at that exact moment was what people would think. Like, <laughs> what would people think if my kid quit school? What would people think if I like said, okay, you can quit school? Now, thankfully, I realized that he, while he was answering all the questions correctly, his mental state was not in a place where he should be making extreme decisions like that. So I could put the halt onto the whole thing. He didn't quit school. I didn't let him, but like I realized that mentally and emotionally, like his feelings of depression or anxiety was dictating the decision. And so in that moment was like, okay, you can't make a decision when you're in a state of like serious depression, like to quit school is very extreme. (laughs) And so like, we're not going to make that decision. But before I realized that, really, the only thing I could say, I was like, what would people think? And that's not a reason to make a decision. I mean, and maybe more so for women, I'm not sure, but it's always in the back of your mind. Yeah, you can still do it anyway, right? And you obviously have, even if you kept it a secret until it was done. That's hilarious to me. I'm like, <laughs> I can't imagine being able to not tell people about it because I'm the one that exposes everything that I'm working on or doing (laughs) or feeling or gone through or whatever. Okay, so I have some questions for you that I wrote out before we got started. So what would you say is one of the biggest obstacles you have overcome in your life that could have taken you out but didn't? The word almost, okay? So if you are familiar with the series, The Middle, there is a girl on there, Sue Heck, is the almost. Like you almost make the team in high school. You almost, so there's been a lot of almost. Even with my direct sales, I almost made it, but I didn't really. So that's kind of an obstacle that I feel like I've always had is the underdog situation or even with this book, this book could potentially be one of those things where like you almost made it that's kind of it's always in the back of my mind because it's always been my situation 
coming in second or third or almost making it. So it's a lifelong obstacle that I think almost pushes me to keep moving forward. And it also is something that's in the back of my mind telling me not to move forward. So it's kind of terrifying. Like, is this going to be another one of those times? I mean, I'm so goal oriented. Like, I love to write down like what I want to accomplish, my five-year plan. And I don't know why. It's just ingrained in my DNA that that's how I'm going to work. And so, for example, with direct sales, it's like I almost got to where I wanted to be before it resolved. And just like those things that like, oh, kind of stabs you a little bit. But how do you yeah, flip the script on that? Optimism and a bigger plan. Knowing that like your time on, on this earth is very precious, but it is short. So you need to do with it what you can. And if you keep thinking like, why would I try something new if I'm going to get second place or whatever, you're not going to live a very happy life and you might not end up filling your full potential. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what if you looked at it as like, I mean, second place is still worthy. Yeah, but that's not how a goal-oriented mindset works. Like, this is what the goal was. <laughs> okay, so here's what I'm going to tell you. Thing, but <laughs> so this is something that when I have done what I call the breakthrough challenges, it's like a 12-week 12 weeks in a year, it's based on a book by Brian Moran. You would like it. And you have the goal of whatever you want to accomplish in 12 weeks. And then you brain dump all the things that are necessary to get there. And then you create an action plan. Week one, I'm doing this. Week two, I'm doing this. Week three. And at the end of the 12 weeks, if you accomplish your action plan and you rate it. So you like you score yourself. Like if you're scoring a four out of five most weeks, you should be able to hit your goal. Now, it's still not guaranteed because there's so much that we don't know, right? And what I have found is that most people set a goal way higher, like the target. The target goal is way higher than what they can actually accomplish in that amount of time. So it's like they will feel possibly discouraged. Like I set this goal and I didn't achieve it. But because you set that goal, you went forward in direction and you're closer to that goal today than it was. And maybe God's plan for you isn't to be a New York Times bestseller but it's to impact those around you and show them what's possible because of the decisions that you make with courage. And that is winning and it is achieving and it has absolutely nothing to do with how many books you've sold. Now, granted, you've invested money. So obviously you want to make your, you, you need to make money because this is your business at this point. And so as an achiever, and you most definitely are, like you want to go big or go home, 
probably all the time, right? It's like, if you're not going to do it, don't even start. You give everything your all, which is like a huge strength. And at the same time, in giving it all, when you know you've given it all, you cannot ever be down on yourself to like, I failed. You didn't fail if you gave it your all. You gave it your all. And I always say like, do your best, give God the rest. Like what he does with the work you put in, that's on him. Like you can't make it happen. And in the direct selling space, you were a a leader under me. So you know some of the things that I used to preach. Make it happen. Hustle harder. Like I was in that mindset of like, you can do this. But there is so much freedom in recognizing you can surrender and be like, I'm going to do all that I can do. But ultimately, where it goes that's God. Like, only God, like, he could snap your finger tomorrow and have you on Oprah, CBS, or NBC, or, like, he he literally could put that into motion right this second if he wanted to. We never know. Like, people might be saying your name in rooms right now that you have no idea who these people are, and they're talking about you, and they're talking about this book. That's not because of you, Yes, it is in part because you you made the decision to move forward, take the action, write the book. But ultimately, that is God's favor on you for being in alignment and walking it out in obedience. So trusting the process, like work the process, do what you know to do. But at the same time, we can surrender. And that's like the pressure isn't on you. That's God. Like God gets to choose. All you can do is what you can do. I really hope that you like receive that because you are such a high achiever and it's a good thing. There's some people that never do anything. They just settle because they think it's too hard or they're afraid they're going to fail or whatever. You're willing to take the action. You are willing to give it all that you absolutely have. And those are such big things. But at the end of the day, God decides what's best for you. And maybe hitting the goal that you have for yourself isn't God's best for you. And so it has nothing to do. I'm only saying this because like, it's not on you. And I want you to like receive that. Like, it's not on you. Like, it's not because you failed. It's not because you almost. You did exactly what you were supposed to do and you excelled above and beyond what is asked or what you think like i know you like you leave nothing on the table and so in that you haven't almost anything you have achieved what you could do in your own strengths but that's the beauty of god like We do what we can do, but at the end of the day, we surrender and be like, okay, God, like I did what I can do. I'm going to surrender now and be like, it's on you. Like, if you want me to have a larger platform, you will do that. All I can do is show up. All I can do is do my best. All I can do is prepare and do the things that I know that I can do. And at the end of the day, like, You shouldn't be feeling the pressure 
because you've done the best that you can do. As achievers, like we really struggle with that and we put so much pressure on ourselves and a lot of heaviness and a big old load that we're carrying on our shoulders when God says, like, surrender, give that to me. You don't have to carry that load. Love others, do your best, work hard. And there's no question that you're doing those things. So I want you to really like think on that and realize that you're a winner. You're a first place finisher because you're you're running the race and you're not giving up. You're continuing to move forward and and taking the next step that's in front of you. Even when you don't like you don't even know where it's going, but you're like, okay, well, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. You're you're doing it. You're getting out of the boat. You're walking on the water. Okay, so what does it look like to you to be a present mom? Let's start. Let's start there. I just think for me, let's be present, not perfect. And just I don't know, there was like a camel soup commercial or something, or a Pillsbury commercial, something like that one time. And it said The average family gets 26 minutes of quality time per day. 26 minutes, really? And then when you think about it, that's probably, I mean, they probably just pulled that number out of their butt. But really, it's probably pretty true because, I mean, families are moving very fast all the time, right? And so I always just try to think like, okay, can I be present in this moment? Because sometimes it's like we might all be in the same room, but like I'm not even looking at them. I'm doing this and they're doing that. And we're not actually like we're, we're in the same room, but we're not hanging out together or spending quality time. And it's not because they're teenagers. It's just how I think life works. So I just try to find at least a few minutes every day to just be present with them and with them separately. Like, And it kind of goes back to, I mean, we are not the best about it right now because both my kids are in sports but like even just reading a story they're getting to the point where they both can read very well on their own but it doesn't mean that they don't like listening to somebody else reading to them so i try to make it and even it's just like one chapter or something so and that doesn't like it always happen or playing a little game or just trying to be present and not hey let's watch a movie together because then we're just all staring at a tv or something like that but like trying to figure out a time where we can all just be there in the moment, which is hard to do every day, but makes it matter more. I love that. I know for me, bedtime was, I remember talking to my therapist about this, like, I am done at a certain point in time. Like, and I really struggled with this, knowing how beneficial it was. I just felt so much guilt because I knew how beneficial it was to do bedtime with my kids because it was my most favorite time of the day. Like I would talk to them for hours, which was my struggle because I loved it so much. And we could talk about like, I mean, I would just keep on talking and I would receive so much from that and I would be able to pour into them so much. But I also recognized that I was tired and I didn't want to spend two hours at bedtime putting them to bed because all like we were talking. And I remember just talking to my therapist about that. I'm like, how can I do this well, but also not spend two hours doing it or like figure out a different way to like, I don't know. I I think we're as moms, we're always super hard on ourselves. And I wanted Eric to do bedtime 
because it was easier. But I also knew the benefits of me actually doing it because ultimately, I think it was conviction, recognizing that it was sharing Jesus with my kids. It was like just this unguarded moment. Now, how do I wrap it up so it's not two hours long? (laughs) I still work on that. But I loved that time and I could pour into them and they would ask me questions and I always loved bedtime. But I also had to realize like maybe instead of putting them to bed, like most people's like, okay, well, if you want to go to bed at nine or you want your kids to go to bed at nine, is that like be in bed or asleep at nine? Well, my brain never computed that those are two different things. So I would be like, going in to put them to bed at nine when really I would want them asleep at nine. So then I, we'd be up till 11 talking. And like, so those are some of the struggles. I'm like, okay, so really I should be taking them to bed at like seven or eight and then set a timer. Timer is someone with ADHD, like it's their best friend. Like, okay, timer goes off and it's like, it's time to wrap up. Or set the timer ahead of schedule so that it's not an an hour and 45 minutes in. It's 30 minutes in or whatever. And then the other thing that I think is really important for moms is to realize that whether you stay at home with them or you don't, that doesn't matter as much as just being intentional and being present. Whether it's five minutes or an hour We can get more done in five minutes of an intentional conversation and spending time with our kids than an hour in the room with them sitting at the table eating dinner. So let's get back to the book. It's based on a story you had with the girl in the story is named after your child. Yes. Yep. The book one is about my daughter. Yes. The the concept of the storyline is based on my kids asking questions. (laughs) How did you decide to name it after your child? And like, how did you choose between the kids' names? Okay, so, I mean, I can really get into the making of this step-by-step and everything. But I guess to answer that specific question. So the plan is I have the first book done in print, ready to be in everybody's hands. My idea, I have a manuscript loosely ready for the second one, which will spotlight my son. And then I have an idea for a third one. So if everything goes well, there will be three wonderful stories that all coincide. People keep asking me, are you going to go do the Easter Bunny or whatever? And I'm like, no, the, the Tooth Fairy is my girl. She's where this story stands and that's where it's going to continue. So with that being said, that is why this one has my daughter spotlighted. And I also like because the demographic of age is between four and eight year old. There's only two characters, which makes it very easy for them to follow along. Because if you are a mom of young children, or if you remember from having young children, you read all of these stories at bedtime. And sometimes you're like, this is a terrible story. Or why are there so many characters? Or what does this character even do? You know what I mean? So it's just like, there's, there's a lot of poorly written stories that you read and you're like, this doesn't make sense. So I wanted to also keep in mind who was going to be benefiting from this story. And so that is why my son really isn't, I mean, he, he spotlights in the beginning and the end, and that is strategic. There is a reason for that. And make me want to know more already. I'm like, Ooh, let's go. (laughs) When's the second one going to be printed? 
And my illustrator, my editor, and my publisher were all very good about like how you almost leave little breadcrumbs. So that is why there's two characters, but why my son is also spotlighted in this book. And then as far as the name goes, I mean, I chose to keep her name, which I don't know if is exactly your question, but I started doing some research and asking, and there's not really any rules on whether or not to use your kid's real name or not. Christopher Robin in Winnie the Pooh, that was actually his son's name. So I thought, well, why not? The point is that I was creating this book, that I was creating it to print off three copies, give one to each one of my kids to have in their room and tuck one away for my grandkids later. In the beginning, it wasn't, I'm going to have thousands of these out there for other people. So having her name in there was a no brainer at the time. But then at the end, I had to decide, is this going to change or do I keep it the way it is? So I don't know if that really answers your question, yep, but I guess a little bit more of a detailed story about it. And a teaser for what's to come. Yeah. I'm yeah. so excited. And I definitely think like when it comes to the chapter books, because you mentioned that, will that be based on this as well? Like as... No, no, I will. I would like different. to on. Yeah, I'd like to take some more classes and move on to young adult, possibly historical fiction. But I mean, that's a whole nother beast in its own and something that I don't have. I mean, every book I've read, all the training I've done, all of the conference calls I've taken, everything has been based on how to successfully write a children's book. So it's not like I just wrote it and then I put it out there and I was like, good luck. Like there was a lot of preparation and uh, talking to the right people. Of course and, there was, because you're an achiever and you're not going to do anything halfway. You're going all the way. Thank you. In my five-year plan, if I can get to that point, if everything works out how I would like it to, my plan, then I will move on to something like that. But I will need to have more training. What advice would you give someone who wants to write a book? Because I know there, I have a lot of people in my audience that they say they want to write a book. A lot of people actually in my audience want to write a children's book. First of all, you have to have a story. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like you can want everything in the world, but if you don't, you have to have a story. And the other thing is, is like, okay, so just to come back a little bit on this story, my kids wanted to know, without giving away the story too much, my kids wanted to know what the tooth fairy does with the teeth, right? That's a valid question. And so I started researching tooth fairy is a magical person that like really does some cool things but there's no information on why she needs these teeth and so that is where the story blossomed from right is because of the idea of there's no answer to this question and so i started researching and there are there's like i this is not the only tooth fairy book out in the world if you go on amazon and you google tooth fairy my book's not going to be the first to pop up you might yeah yes hold the second page Yes. Thank you. <laughs> but you have to find a new angle. So that is something that is somewhat hard to do in today's world, but not. So then the other thing I would say is if you want to write a book, you need to read books about writing a book, which sounds bizarre. But that is where I started is there's Evie Jones has a book called How to Self-Publish Your Own Children's Book. I mean, that one's awesome because she has a roadmap, like what you were talking about, where it's like you can do these specific things. And she has so much. I mean, shout out to her. She has so much out there. And she is a children's book writer. She has 50 books of her own. So 
it was a really, really good lump of knowledge without having to invest too much right away. So, and if you can get through that book and you still want to write a children's book, that's a good way to start. How do you know when it's time to actually put your money where your mouth is and invest in it as someone who's super frugal? So I wrote this story and I wrote it and then I typed it up and then I rewrote it about eight times. So I, and I saved it each copy on my computer. So I know how many times I revised it. And then at that point, there was like this thing in the back of my mind that was like, you should see if this is actually like you have your husband or somebody that loves you read it and they're like yeah that's really good but they're supposed to say that right like they're not going to tell you like that's garbage i mean maybe they are and then maybe you should not be in that toxic relationship but i decided that whether i printed three copies or three thousand copies i wanted to get it edited so after reading that book and having what you know like a manuscript I decided, you know, for like $100, you can go on to readsy.com and you can hire an independent, like a freelance editor, right? And you can put in what you're looking for and really narrow it down. And then you send manuscript and somebody will say, yeah, I'll do it for you. So I found somebody who would edit it for me. And so he really helped me like so much for $100. It was the best $100 I spent. It might have been a little bit more than that, but it wasn't an extreme amount of money. Like I felt like, okay, if that's all that I spent on this, I feel like at least my kids won't be like, this is terrible. At that point, he said, I think you have something here. You should look into pursuing this. What were you going to do with it? And so we started writing back and forth by email or like on their app or whatever. And he wasn't gaining anything from telling me what to do with this. I had already paid him. He'd edited it, shook my hand. Thank you very much. But he said, you should really look into this. He said, I have edited a handful of stories about Santa over the years. And I think he has like 30 years experience. And he said, but this is my first tooth fairy one. And I really think you have a good story here. So at that point, that was like the, the pivotal moment for me where I felt like, it wasn't my parents telling me that I did a good job. It was somebody, and he's in New York. It's not like he's even local. It was like somebody legit in New York who does this for a living said, you should pursue this. And that was the moment that I was like, okay. And then there was like tons of times going forward, we're trying to find an agent and a publisher where it's just like knocking you down over and over again. And you're like, are you sure? But well, there's definitely a few times where it was like throwing the towel up. But to kind of circle back to the question, read about it. And then if you want to start investing, start with an editor. Because if you're going to send your manuscript to two dozen agents or publishing houses, it needs to look nice. Even though they have their own, you don't want to send that and then them have to do work on it right away. However you go forward. I just think yeah. that would be the my opinion. We're going to put the information in the show notes of the book and that you mentioned that was really helpful for you that kind of laid out the roadmap and then the editor information is that an editor for all books or just children's books i would say you would just put readsy.com they have freelance editors there that was one of those google things where you start researching and then you go down a rabbit hole and then you finally find something that's actually going to be helpful so yeah The other thing I just want to call out, because I think it's so, so cool that you're doing this. So you had told me like what you were doing with 
the local stores that are carrying the book instead of you. Most of the times they they get this percentage and what you're doing is totally different and really just shows your heart and the character that you have. Do you mind sharing a little bit of that? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I can be pretty transparent because it, it doesn't really make a difference to me. But OK, so like a hardcover book cost me $10. I charge 20 because I have to pay shipping. So like the stores here in town, I said, I will split that $9 with you. I'll take $4.50 and you'll take $4.50 because that small business, they're willing to hold my books in their store, hoping that they'll sell some and they need to make money as well. So why not partner with them 50-50? And then also, if they do have them on their shelf, I will give them a shout out on my social media at least once a month, as long as they're carrying it. And then also, I made sure that my publisher, who also was so gracious to help me with my website so I didn't have to do it all myself. He made a button so it says shop local. So if you go to carapinder.com, you can hit shop local and it'll be in the drop down of where you can pick it up. Granted, right now I'm at the point of like, where can I have it locally? But I also, I mean, like if you're in Pennsylvania and there, it's in a store local, I would love to be able to put that as a drop down because how cool is that? So, okay. So that's what I didn't know if that was just local to Montana, but you're saying like here in Corbin, Kentucky, if I know someone who would carry your book, you would do a shout out for theirs and it would be on your website. Yeah. Because I mean, like a bookstore or I mean, any sort of gift shop, but especially a bookstore. I mean, that is, that's a tough place to be, but have you ever been into a bookstore? It's magical, right? It's, there's just something about them that's, and they're all different, but there's something that's the same about all of them. And you can just get lost in there. I mean, even if you're not into reading books, it's still just a cool place. So yeah, I live right outside of a town and the whole county has 2,500 people in it. So it is tiny. So we have a library, but we don't have a bookstore. But there's a couple of little shops that have maybe some kids' clothes or they sell toys that this couldn't fit into. So, I mean, the demographic is like if a grandma needs to get a gift, could they pick up this book in a little outfit? You know what I mean? Or something like that. Like, I just think how cool it would be to have a drop down and a, a shout out of these small businesses across the United States that are just like, hey, thank you so much for having this. And maybe I don't live in your town what if i'm visiting wouldn't it be cool if i could stop in there and be like oh i can pick up a book that's so awesome well thank you so much for spending time with us today i just love you and i'm gonna be a cheerleader (laughs) for you forever your young adult books your children's books cartoons or outfits costumes this would be a really cute halloween costume and i want you to know like when I, i i shared this at the very beginning like i bought the book to support you But I read the book, well, one, because I wanted to support you and know what I needed to talk to you about. But I like kept reading it because it's such a good story. So I don't think it's just a good book for kids. I think there are some books that I have read my kids. I've only wanted to read to them one time because it was so boring. You know what I mean? But there are some books that I absolutely love reading to them. (laughs) And this is one of those that you will love reading to them. Like, it's just such a good story. And I say that with complete honesty, because there are some books that I'm like, if the kids like, can we read? I'm like, no. Like, how about (laughs) this one? So I was on the radio this last Wednesday, just here locally. They on KLTZ Kelly and they interviewed me 
And they were asking about that same. And it's funny because you're a mom and I'm a mom. And I said, we have three bookshelves in our house, one in each of our kids' rooms and one in our living room upstairs where I'm sitting. And I said, the books I'm willing to read multiple times are on this bookshelf, like 10 feet away from me. And the ones I'm not willing to read multiple times are in their rooms because I'm like, I don't care. So it's true. Like there's those books that you're definitely like, all right, I could read this again for the 10th time. So it's funny that you said that because it's like verbatim what I said. It's like, like there's a dozen books over there that I am willing to read over and over again. Yeah. that not that hilarious though? But it's so true. Like there are some books I'm like, oh, I don't want to read the Bob the Builder books. I have three boys. So I'm like, like, can we do something different? And I also really like when I read books with my kids and when they were little and I would go to their, their classroom, I was one of the rooms mom volunteers that would like I remember when Elijah was in like first or yeah for kindergarten first grade like I would volunteer and I would go and sit with the kids and they would read to me or I would read to them depending on the situation and I loved it because I don't just read it like I get into the story like I have different voices I put on like the whole thing (laughs) and so I remember reading a couple books to like Emmeline Emmeline's class and stuff like that. Like some books are like, I. they're just so fun to read as an adult, two kids, like to see how the kids' eyes light up and they get so invested in the story. And this book really is that. Like this is substance. This is not basic. And I loved oh, that's it. That's awesome. Well, and for anybody who is out there, sorry, I'll just say really quickly in the dentistry world, the bottom two front teeth are the ones that get lost first, right? In, in a child. And my illustrator was like, no, the front tooth, like that very front one on the top, is that's the one that will look the best in illustration. So I actually called the family dentistry and asked them. And I was like, I want this to be spot on. So there was like lots of like little research like that. So it will be correct as far as like the missing teeth go. So it's funny, like just little things that make a difference. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think a dentist office would be a really good, like children's dentist office. That would be a really good place for this book to be available. Yeah, I have stickers and I actually have like a little flyer for the, I started with the local dentist place in theory and they can do a lobby copy or whatever and stickers because how great would this be? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing and thank you for being willing to go there and do the hard things and not to give up or not to settle but to continue moving forward and writing this book and allowing it to be available for other children and families as well it's a big deal and to get your copy obviously we want you to do that. You can go to her website, carapender.com, correct? Yep. And we will put it in the show notes as well. So you can just click a link and go and get you a copy. Every kid that you know needs to have this book. All righty. Thank you. Hey, friend, that's it for this episode. If you found value, I would love it if you could take a couple of seconds and leave me a quick review. While it may seem super simple, it is so beneficial and gives me the opportunity 
to help more women. Also take a screenshot and share it on social media with your biggest aha today. Don't forget to tag me at Melissa Bad Official so we can connect. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, friend, keep walking it out one baby step at a time because God's got you.